Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Curransville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Curransville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.curransvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, so here's what we're doing. We are continuing in our study in John. We're finishing up John 16. Last week I said we were finishing up John 16. I was wrong. We actually had a few more verses to go. But these are very important verses because, remember, our task is to get to know Jesus, that as we get to know him, we get to know ourselves, and it makes us better, more acquainted with how he interacts in our lives. And these verses, verses 6, excuse me, verses 25 through 33, are very important verses for you and I. Why? Because I think they're going to go right to the heart of something you and I struggle with. We all struggle with what I'm about to tell you. I've got two points to reflect on it. Number one, it's really not a problem, although it can be. It's it's easy for us to express our faith in glowing terms. If somebody were to come up to you and say, are you a believer? in Jesus Christ, or are you a Christian, a lot of us will say yes. And we'll say, well, I go to Kerwinsville Christian Church. Or, I've been a believer for this many years. And we go on into our testimony. And so we're we're very strong in presenting ourselves and and the reality of our faith. We, We don't usually seem to be that shy about that. So we we, we have this tendency to just express the reality of our faith. Now you say, well, how's that a problem, George? How's that a struggle? Well, here's what the struggle is. While that's what we do on the outside, here's what happens on the inside. Because you're a human being. And all human beings are doomed to do one thing. Anybody know what that one thing is? What? Worry? Well, yeah, we we worry, but even more so. Yeah, Rob, sin. We all sin. Continually. And what does that do? Well, here's the problem. However, failure brings feelings of alienation from God. That's our struggle. Are you a Christian? Yes. But go a little bit down the road, and the fact is, is you're messing up. Maybe you're caught in some habitual sin that is continual in your life in some way, or or you're treating somebody wrongly, or this, that, or another, and, and you realize, whoa, I'm not doing right here. And, of course, you need to realize that because that's an evidence of who working in your life, the Holy Spirit revealing to you, convicting you of your sin, And what begins to happen when you are not right, you begin to think that God has changed in how he interacts with you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'll give you an example. So as little George Cannon, I don't think I've always, I've always been a tall kid. I wasn't as big as I am right now, but Growing up in the Cannon household, we had certain things that we had to do and couldn't do and whatever. And, and, and George, being a typical kid, pushes the line 
What does that mean, pushing the line? Doing my own thing, knowing that what I'm doing is not right, and, 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 and then it, George also has a big guilty conscience, and I've never been one to, know, to not express my feelings, on, wear my feelings on my sleeve, and so even though I've done wrong, and even though mom and dad don't know about it, I'm acting weird at home. Why am I acting weird at home? And, and mom may even say to me, what's going on with you? And, oh, nothing, nothing. And I'm acting weird because somehow I feel, even though I know I've done wrong, I feel like they've changed towards me. Now, I do know that if they found out what I did, they are going to change. Do you know what I'm saying? They're, they're going to go to your room. Dad's coming. You know what I'm saying? So... You and I understand that when we, we may express, oh, I, I'm a believer, but then when we sin, we have these feelings of alienation. God, you've changed towards me. It's real. And we all struggle with it. It affects our prayer life. It affects how we live our life outside. It affects how we read the Bible. It affects us continually. Because we feel like we're alienated from him. Well, what has that got to do with John? Well, what we're going to see is, is that we're going to see that Jesus understands. What we're going to see is, we're gonna, I'm going to give you the conclusion, okay? Here's the conclusion. He's not shocked at you sinning. He's not surprised by you sinning. He understands. So how do we get there? Well, let's look at this together. So I want you to notice with me, it's interesting, it goes in his continual discussion of the fact he's telling them, remember, he's preparing them, he's wanting them to understand, okay, I'm going away, they're going to kill me, here's what I need, you guys need to love one another, the Holy Spirit's going to come, he's going to guide you, and again, the world's not going to be happy with you, the world's going to oppress you, but you need each other. But in the midst of that conversation, he's got Peter saying, I'll die for you, Jesus. And, and all the others and what they're doing. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, okay, yeah, I understand. But they don't understand. And he's trying to prepare them, but it's coming to the end of the discussion of his preparing them because chapter 17 then is his great high priestly prayer for them. And then chapter 18 begins the road to the cross. So here he is. These are the last things that he says to them. So look at what he says with me. It'll be up on the screen if you want to read along with me there. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name... And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things 
and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come. And that you will be scattered, each to his own, and leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. All right, now what are we doing here? You say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus, you're saying you're not using figurative language. I'm having a hard time understanding what's going on here. Well, that's what I'm supposed to do is help you to understand. And I want you to also understand that he understands. And hopefully that'll help you. What are we saying here? Well, we're going to look, first of all, at verse 25 to 30, and we're going to see about him speaking plainly. And then when we get to verse 31 to 33, we're going to say and show you that he knows everything about you. That's scary, isn't it? Should be. But he does know everything. So let's look. First of all, he he speaks plainly. So, all right, so first of all, verse 25, Jesus states that the time is coming when he will speak plainly with them. Up until this point, Jesus taught not directly, but kind of indirectly. How? Parables. You guys like to read the parables in the gospel? They're little stories, and the stories have hidden meanings in them. And, and sometimes the disciples, if you remember from the other gospels, they would come alongside and say, can you explain this one to us? What does it mean? Remember the parable of the sower who sowed seed in four different places? The disciples had to come to him later and say, hey, can you explain that one to us? We're not getting it. It's figurative language. It's, it's not direct speaking. It's kind of like kind of getting to the point, but in a roundabout way. And he says, okay, the time is coming, though, when I'm going to start talking to you plainly. See, when he goes to the cross and when he comes back, he's going to speak to them in ways that they understand directly. No more figurative language, no more trying to figure out what he's saying. He's going to speak to them plainly. Bottom line, here's the second thing. They will no longer need to ask Jesus to pray for them. Wow, this is a powerful point. They will no longer need to ask Jesus to pray for them. If they had some sort of need, they would no longer need to go to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, can God do this for us? They would no longer need to do that. There's coming a time when they will be able to pray directly and talk directly to God. See, that's even true today. You don't need to come to me. I know people come to me all the time, and I think it's, it's okay. George, can you pray for me about that? Yes, you want me to join with you in interceding for you. That's wonderful. But the fact is, you don't need me. You have direct access And that time is coming when you can talk directly to him. So he's speaking very plainly to them. You will have no more need to go to me to seek something for you. You can talk to him directly. Why? Now here's the next thing I want you to see. The father will directly respond to them because he loves them. Look with me at what he says here in verse 27 and 28. He says this. 
For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. All right, stop. All right, you ever come to the place where you're like, I don't know if God loves me, man, I really messed up here. God, I know there's no way you could love me because I did this or did that. And how can you love me? How can you love me? Listen, he loves you. Now, he tells you why he loves you. Look at the next sentence there. For the Father himself loves you because you have what? Done the right things? Didn't screw up enough? Carry yourself in a certain way? No. The Father loves you because you what? Have loved me. Do you want to know what gains the love of the Father for you? Is loving who, folks? Jesus. Now, stop. Look at your Bibles. Is there a little footnote there? Asterisk? Something to refer to a note down at the bottom that says, except, of course, when you mess up. No, it's not there, is it? God loves you. And so when you go to him with your need, here's the thing. Sometimes I think this, is, this will be a freeing moment for some of you this morning. When you go to him with your need, so right now you're in the midst of it. You've got something big going on. You don't know how you're going to get through it. It's very big to you. Maybe talk to somebody else and they say, oh, that's nothing. But to you, it's a big thing. And you go to God and you're like, God, I need your help. And, but the problem is, is that we think, oh, but he's not listening to me because I, I treated somebody poorly or I didn't do this or I didn't have my devotions or I haven't been coming to church like I should be or whatever. And, and the reality is, is God is listening to you. He knows what's going on in your life, not because you're doing all the right stuff or haven't done the wrong stuff. It's because you love Jesus. And you can go to him and say to him, here it is. I need you. I need you. And you can know that he hears you. Why? Because he loves you. For one reason only. You loved his son. And you trusted in his son. Did you understand what I'm saying? That, that will change you. That will change the way you think and pray. Because I know how it is. Because sometimes you're like, man, Lord, I want to talk to you about this, but I know it's been a rough week and I haven't, haven't been responding the right way. Or haven't, and, and, and I think, well, you know, you're under no obligation. I even say stuff like this. You're under no obligation, Lord. Yeah, of course he's under no obligation. But that's not why he answers prayer. He answers prayer. I mean, that's kind of like if my kids came to me and said, Dad, we really need you to work this out and do this. We're under no obligation. Of course you're under no obligation, but that's not why I'm doing it is because you're obligated to me. It's because I do it because I love you. So here he's saying, he's speaking very plainly with him. The time's coming. I won't need to intercede for you. You can go directly to the Lord and he will respond to you. So let's look there, verse 27. And, and here's what he says. And have believed that I have come forth from God. It's because of your faith. 
Because of your faith. All right, so let's stop. So everybody understands. You want to write this down. The reason why God listens to you is two things. Your love for Jesus and your faith in Jesus. And then put a big period right after that. The reason why he listens to you as you go to him in prayer is because, number one, your love for Jesus and, two, your faith in Jesus. Period. And so they're listening, and they're like, man, wow, that's awesome, God. That's awesome. So here's what they do. That just forces them to want to say, like, when you hear that, doesn't that, when you're like, man, God loves me and cares for me it has nothing to do with me, that just kind of wells up something inside of you, wells up, and you say, oh, God, you are so awesome. I believe in you. That just kind of wells up in you when you hear that kind of thing, right? That's what happened in their life. Look at what happens here in verse 29 and 30, and you see what they say. Verse 29 and 30, very plainly, and his disciples said to him, See now, you are speaking plainly. That's pretty plain, right? You're speaking plainly and not using, you're not using no figure of speech. It's not trying for me to bend my brain figure out what you're saying, Jesus. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. They make a proclamation. Here's what I want you to see. Naturally, the disciples proclaim their belief in Jesus. It's natural. Isn't it? So tell me something. The last time God answered a prayer, and you knew he answered a prayer, what did you say? Or think? I can tell you what I thought. God answered a big prayer here in the last few weeks. And I was like, man, Lord, that was quick. God, you are awesome. You are so great, Lord. I needed you to do this in this person's life, and you did it. Praise you, God. I believe in you even more. Isn't that natural? That's what they're doing here. Making the big proclamation. And that's what we're good at. Are you a Christian? I believe. Yeah, but we sin. And with that sin comes the alienation, right? Comes the sheepishness. Comes the feeling of distance between God. Like, oh my goodness, I've let him down. Oh, he's going to be shocked. Somehow we got this picture of God on the throne room saying, oh no, there's George. Do you believe he did that again? I am totally surprised. Really? The God who knows everything. We forget that he knows everything, right? And that's what we're going to see here is that he knows everything. Look with me, verse 31 to 33. He's going to share some things with them. And from this, we're going to get a couple of points here that you and I need to reflect on. Look at what he says, verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each one to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me 
you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. All right, so two things I want you to understand. When we sit here and we're like, yeah, man, that's awesome. He loves me. He listens to me. I believe. Here's what Jesus kind of says, because Jesus is kind of being realistic here with us, if we would just listen for the moment. He starts off with a question that I think we need to ponder for a moment. Because here you are, you're like, I'm a believer. I've been following Jesus for this long. It's real to me, George. Okay, but here's what Jesus said to them. Same question to you and I. Here's what he says. Do you now believe? I hear you. But do you believe? Are you sure? And our natural response would be, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it's been, look, for me, since 1985, man, all these years following you, Jesus. Do you believe? Do you believe, George? Do you believe? Do you believe? Because here's what I know. Here's what Jesus is saying. I know something about you that you're not aware of. Whoa. But that makes sense, right? Who knows you better than anybody else? My spouse. No, no, no. They may know you, but better than them. Who knows you better than them? Jesus, right? And here's what he knows. Jesus reveals that he knows the fickleness of their faith. He knows the fickleness of your faith. He knows that your faith is fickle. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I mean, it's one thing you can sit there when times are good and say, yes, I believe, but as soon as the pressure increases, as soon as the, 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 the boiling point reaches the point where it's ready to explode, as soon as you are going through the midst of it, what gets tried in your life? Your faith. And what begins to happen? Well, you know, God, I know you said this, and I just need to trust in you. But what emerges in your mind are doubts. And they're natural. Everybody struggles with them. And doubts emerge... And with those doubts, we have to make choices. And sometimes with those choices, do I do what God told me to do and just trust in him? Or do I have to, at this point, you know, just take the bull by the horns and take care of it myself and make the decision myself? Because if I don't do it, I don't know that I'm ever going to see it happen. What's that reflect? A lack of faith that God will take care of it, right? And, and so what ends up happening then is we make our own choices. And a lot of times what is the result of that is what? Sin. I mean, think about his question here. He's been telling them, we've been looking at it from chapter 13 up to this point. He's been saying to them, look, guys, I'm going away. I'm going to die. One of you is going to betray me. Peter says, God, I will be with you, Jesus. I'll be with you to the end. I will die for you. Really, Peter, will you do that? He's saying to them now, guys, do you really believe? Do you not know what's coming? You're going to be tested. 
And with that testing, your response isn't going to be good. He already, he's already telling them what's going to happen. Because he knows everything. And here's what he's telling them. He's going to say to them, you know what? You, you say you believe? Let me tell you, the hour is coming. In fact, hey, by the way, guys, it's here. The hour is here. Things are already set in motion. Judas is off doing his thing, getting 30 pieces of silver. He's setting a motion. He's bringing a group of armed men with him, soldiers. They're going to meet us at a certain place, and, and he's going to kiss me and betray me, and they're going to take me. And when they do that, you're going to run. All the big words you were saying about how much you believe me is, are going to be gone. Because you're going to be out of there worried about who? Yourself. Because you don't trust me anymore. You don't trust me. See, Jesus reveals he knows the fickleness of our faiths. I think... Sometimes, I think we need to wake up to that reality. And, and then what that does is, is you, you find yourself praying, you know, God, help me this day because you know I'm human. And while I'd like to think that I might do the right thing, I also know that I might do the wrong thing. Because that's who I am. I'm a human. I'm a human being. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so he reveals to them the fickleness. But yet, look at this, verse 33. After he's telling them, this has got to be a shock to them. You guys are going to run away. Oh, man. What? Oh. Yeah, but here's what he does. He gives them an encouragement. Look with me, verse 33. Here's the encouragement. He knows everything, but he also knows enough about them to know... It's going to be okay. Look with me at verse 33. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Okay, you know, when my daddy sat me down and pointed out what I'm doing wrong and what I'm going to do wrong, I, I'm going to tell you right now, that was not a time of peace for me. For him to say, you're going to mess up big time here, and this is what's going to happen, that, that wasn't a discussion that brought peace. I, 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 what it brought was terror, okay? Oh, oh, oh. you know, but, but Jesus is saying, I, I've, I've shared these things with you that you might have peace. What's he talking about here? Peace. He wants you and I to be encouraged with the reality of how we are. Because it's going to reflect a greater reality on him. Because here's what he says. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, what's he saying here, folks? Here's what it is. Yet he encourages them to trust him in spite of the troubles that lie ahead. My favorite psalm, Psalm 37. I quote this to you guys so many times because it is a powerful truth. Verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he yet stumble, he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. 
Is that not a powerful, wonderful truth? What that means is, is God has plans for me, and his plans include my mess-ups. And even though I stumble, he's there upholding me with his hand. Is that not awesome? He understands. So you think about it. Think, let's step back for a moment. Let's, let's wrap this up here, George. What are, we, what are we getting at here? Well, I want you to think. Okay, so here we are. Yes, I'm a believer, and I make the profession, and I share with others. But the fact of the matter is I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I do wrong things. And when I do wrong things, it messes with me. It messes with me to the point that I think that when I pray now, somehow, God, you've changed towards me. You don't love me the same way anymore. But man, here's the thing. I'm the one with the messed up thinking. It's not him. Why? Because he's telling you the Father loves you because you love who? Jesus. Nothing else. So you could go directly to him and talk to him about your stuff. Here's the other thing. He's saying, I know you're going to mess up. In fact, if you want, I'll give you a list of the stuff you're going to. No, I'm glad he doesn't do that, right? But here's what he says. I'm telling you this so you'll have peace. Why? Peace. Because of the love and acceptance of Jesus in our lives. And that's where we need to put our faith in. I don't put my faith in myself. I guess I'm getting old enough now to realize I can't trust myself. Period. Because given the right circumstances, the right situation, who's to say that I wouldn't mess up? It exists for every one of us. But the wonderful thing is this. He understands. And he still loves us and he still reaches out to us and he still gives us peace. Isn't that awesome? Let me pray for you.